welcome to Frontier Current Affairs Dublin Bay South by-election coverage series. I'm your host and weekly Frontier contributor, Emma Hayes. This week we'll be sitting down with all eight of our contributors to get up-to-date information on all the candidates contesting this government's first by-election. If you need to contact the podcast, please do so using the email address in the description. welcome our Labour correspondent Thibault Lockery on to report to us about what's happening with Labour in the Dublin Bay South by-election. So Thibault can you give us an um, just an overview of the Labour Party in the constituency and where they stand with the electorate? Okay, so for the Labour Party itself, so I'm sure as everyone know, it's done by the original uh, James Connolly from <clears throat> I guess, the proclamation and uh, interestingly, wh- whenever they have actually gotten into government, it has been in coalition with Fine Gael amongst some oftentimes uh, other parties. Uh, so that's generally what we tend to see whenever uh, Labour Labour actually do manage to put in some of their uh, policies. In terms of Dublin Bay South, their last elected uh, candidate in the area was Rory Quinn, and he was actually leader of the Labour Party, not when he was elected at a time before. Uh, he wasn't leader of the party then, but he was the last candidate that they had successfully elected uh, in that constituency. Other than that, there was Kevin, uh, the Labour candidate for the Dublin Bay South has been Kevin Humphreys, who has unsuccessfully contested uh, the seats back in uh, 2016 and uh, the recent general election in 2020. Okay, that's great. So um, the Labour Party do have a a fairly, um, a good historical base in the constituency. And when, I think it was only a few hours after Owen Murphy um, announced his uh, he was leaving politics, Ivana Bacic was on the steps of the Oireachtas announcing her that you would um, want to uh, contest her party's um, selection convention. So can you tell us about Senator Ivana Bacic and like what's her background? Uh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so you correctly say Senator Ivana Bacic is who's going to be contesting uh, this seat. And um, it's interesting that you know that she was the first to be on the step, the Oireachtas announcing her candidacy after the resignation of Owen Murphy, because uh, she's been known to be uh, very ambitious and always wanting uh, to do well when she lost her bid in 2004 for the European elections. Like close ones noted to her that she was like absolutely devastated. She didn't want to just do well and that she wanted to win. Uh, but I guess it was more brief uh, overview. So she, she um, was actually born over uh, in uh, in England, in London, but moved to Cork when she was younger and she was uh, when she was about six. And uh, it said she had a London accent, she's in Cork. And then when she finally went to move to and grew up in Dublin in Terramore, <clears throat> kind of retained her Cork accent there. But um, I'm sure if you've seen her name, her grandfather is actually of, a, of, is of Czech origin, who emigrated over to Ireland after actually having been imprisoned by the Nazis when uh, they had actually uh, taken over the Sudetenland there. <clears throat> so that's where her background would have been. She uh, completed a law degree in Trinity College Dublin and a master's in labour law from the London School of Economics and actually went on to become a practising barrister uh, over in England. Uh, importantly as well, she was also elected the um, president of the <clears throat> Trinity College Students' Union and that was really her first interaction uh, when politics in a recent podcast she did with how yes was won. Uh, she noted this, <clears throat> the issue that propelled her into politics was the issue on abortion and on women's rights surrounding abortion. She recounted the time when she was in house six of having a 21 year old distress coming into her and asking her for information on abortion services. And it actually led her into trouble when she was president of the Students' Union, having included a leaflet on in, uh, inf- information on abortion into it. And she was actually sued by uh, <clears throat> a support uh, by, a, by a group called Support for Unborn Children. And they actually won that contesting. But that was back in 1989. And shortly afterwards, there was a referendum allowing for um, information on abortion services to be permitted to be published. So that's kind of her background, a very progressive, very um, very liberal uh, candidate, which does coincide with a lot of the base uh, in the Dublin Bay South. Dublin Bay South, um, you know, was the constituent that voted most against the initial Eighth Amendment when it was enacted, and it was the constituent that 
voted most overwhelmingly uh, to repeal it. So in that front, ideologically, she does match up very well with the electorate. Yeah, I suppose she's probably she's a very high profile candidate. As you were saying about her, the pro, her progressive um, base, that this would probably connect on to um, the voting base that you'll be targeting in the constituency. So who would what vote would you be expecting to get and what vote might you trying to expand upon? So <clears throat> a vote that she could be uh, that she could definitely be courting in the base would perhaps be uh, the younger vote. And so, you know, the vote who would be um, kind of advocates on, you know, these kinds of issues, these kind of progressive issues. Uh, but on that front, she might have two issues when it comes to younger voters in that one thing she's actually a notable advocate uh, against is the legalization and decriminalization of sex workers in Ireland. And so that would make her <clears throat> somewhat more opposed to, uh, I guess what you could say is a current trend in uh, progressive politics. Uh, and in, in Ireland, there's a recent, you know, there's a recent paper by the Irish Independent kind of like came out about that and was like, you know, shared all over Twitter uh, in terms of Bacchick's um, uh, uh, candidacy uh, in that front. The other, the other issue that she might face for younger voters is uh, the Labour Party now does not have a very good standing amongst uh, younger voters. They benefit and gained a lot uh, in terms of social unrest and social upheaval from young people, um, you know, after the crash of 08 and the IMF coming into Ireland back in 2010, Labour really benefited a lot from, uh, <clears throat> benefited a lot from uh, young people transferring over them uh, from Fianna Fáil, you know, who had prospered under the policies and, and even Sinn Féin. And as we see, so they obviously they went in coalition again with Fianna Gael in 2011, which again is not unusual. But you just need to look at their performance in 2016 general election. They were reduced down to six seats. And even in 2020, they lost one further seat. And so they're down to five seats in the doll. Um, but and again, that's why the Labour Party have actually put in their full throttle towards Ivana in this election, because it's a by-election win and that can say, uh, a by-election win for her would be a huge morale boost to the party. But I would say she'd have, she'd have a bit of troubles with some of the younger voters in there. However, um, it is, again, a pretty affluent um, constituency and Ivana Bacci herself uh, now enjoys a bit of that uh, affluency as well. And she has rightfully targeted one issue that could actually face more uh, well-off yeah, younger voters, particularly in the 20s range who are renting, who are renting there, because um, Dublin Bay South has one of the highest proportions of renters uh, in the country, uh, over half, like so over half already are in the are in professional work. Is it fifty seven percent are doing professional jobs, and about that same number have uh, third level education there. <clears throat> but also along with that, again, there is a a really high percentage of renters in there, and a really high percentage of private renters. And uh, Ivana herself has spoken out against a specific investment fund, like a recent uh, German fund that has bought up over one hundred sixty six apartments. Uh, in the area, so from that uh, from that perspective, uh, she is likely to gain a lot from uh, a more middle class and affluent section of young voters who might otherwise be drawn towards uh, like a candidate from Fianna Gael or even Fianna Fáil. But um, you know, after uh, recent successive governments and of course the, um, uh, you know the whole poster thing with the. The last Fine Gael candidate, Owen Murphy, you know, a poster going up over um, Vincent, <clears throat> might she might actually be able to uh, draw on the base that would have been put off by uh, the traditional uh, parties candidates in that area. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for giving us our background on Havana and the Labour Party in the September election. And hopefully we will be talking again soon. And now we welcome our Sinn Féin correspondent, James Hammersley. Now, Sinn Féin recently announced her candidate for the Dublin Bay South by-election. James, can you tell us who Lynn Boylan is and what is her political background? Yeah, so um, after days of uh, speculation about who was running as the Sinn Féin candidate, they have selected Lynn Boylan. Um, she is a 44-year-old sitting senator and she is the Sinn Féin spokesperson for climate justice and she's sitting on the agricultural panel. Uh, she's a Shannon spokesperson as well for communications, climate action and environment, social protection and employment uh, affairs. 
her uh, her actual her Twitter account, her Twitter bio is actually she, she describes herself as a Sinn Féin senator, proud lefty, working class girl, feminist, trans ally, rodo basher, eco socialist, anti anti racist, and Dublin GA fanatic. Uh, she grew up in Tala and she studied journalism and she has qualifications in environmental resource and conservation uh, management. And her own main priorities have been uh, focusing on stuff like climate justice and uh, just transition away from fossil fuels, campaigning for the 48 victims who lost their lives in the Stardust tragedy and their families, and a fair tax reform and investment in key services such as health, education and uh, 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 child and uh, childcare. She has extensive years of political activism. She noted that her first uh, her first uh, bit of activism was at the age of twelve when she wrote an article in the Evening Herald uh, in support of uh, the Dublin uh, uh, in support of the Dublin uh, bus strikers. So. She has years of uh, political experience. Uh, when she really got uh, into uh, politics was in 2005 when she was in Kerry and she, she, her first election was a general election. Uh, she ran unsuccessfully. Uh, then in 2007, she ran for local elections, local elections, and again she was uh, uh, unsuccessful. She, she knows that. Uh, as she was a dub in Kerry, that didn't really work in her uh, favor. But she tried again in 2013, and she moved uh, back to Dublin, her, her her hometown, and she ran a very successful campaign in the Europe for the European Parliament. She actually got um, 83,000 first preference votes, and that was enough to get her into the uh, European Parliament. And while she was there, she campaigned on various issues like the right to water, Ibrahim Alawa, and as well as being very vocal on Palestine and Palestinian issues. Uh, however, in 2019, she then uh, lost her seat. And now she's running an, uh, uh, in the Dublin Bay South uh, election. And, um, yeah, we'll see how she goes. There was actually a lot of speculation that she might be running in her where she actually grew up. Um, uh, it was suspected that she'd actually run with Sean Crow in Dublin Southwest or Dublin. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite sure on the constituency name there, but it was suspected that she would be running alongside Sean Crow, who is the only sitting uh, Sinn Féin TD, TD there at the moment. Uh, but yeah, she was uh, selected for Dublin Bay South instead. Yeah, so you spoke there about all the issues that are going to come up and um, that Lynn Boylan has a, a, an interest in. But yeah. <clears throat> obviously, if she's running as a Sinn Féin candidate, the party probably comes first. So what um, issues will Sinn Féin be focusing on in by election? Yeah, well, Sinn Féin have been uh, very, very clear about this. Uh, Pierre Stoherty of Sinn Féin um brought out a statement as soon as the Dublin Bay South as soon as Owen Murphy um <clears throat> uh said he was retiring and that there was it was clear that there was Dublin Bay South election he said it was housing and rents full stop um of which they claim this particular constituency uh has been let down by the failed policies of Fine Gael and former housing minister uh Owen Murphy. Uh, they say they will cut rents, ban rent increases, and increase the supply of affordable homes for workers and their families. I think we should note there that they said they've been let down by Fine Gael. Fine Gael and Owen Murphy, not uh, Labour, not um, uh, Fianna Fáil, but Fine Gael. So I think are they setting themselves up to take on Fine Gael full stop and no one else. And it has been kind of recognized as a Sinn Féin versus Fine Gael election. And I think Sinn Féin are clearly hinting at this and they plan to, plan to take on Fine Gael solely and that it would be a contest between them. 
uh, but we, we should see. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. We might come back to that at a later date. But now yeah. just to look at the bigger picture, um, like what is the Sinn Féin record in this constituency? Now, we know they have one sitting TD already. And like, what are their, their chances to win a second seat? Well, uh, I, I was just researching about the constituency just before I came on and few quotes just uh, struck struck me about the territory. It was described as a true blue territory and a Fine Gael heartland and one of the wealthiest areas in Ireland. Sinn Féin last time out, um, Chris Andrews, he was the last candidate there. Uh, who is now obviously a sitting uh, TD. In 2016, he only got 5,000 votes. Um, however, in 2020, he got over 8,500 votes, just just behind um, Eamon Ryan, who got in in the first count, who topped the poll. And uh, he was also ahead of Owen Murphy and Jim O'Callaghan by about, uh, oh, about 1,000, 1,500 um, uh, votes. So it was a dramatic uh, turnaround. And obviously that it wasn't just an anomaly because Sinn Féin done quite well across, uh, across the board in the, in the country. And where they done particularly well was in the working class areas such as Pierce Street and uh, uh, Rings End. And Rings End uh, particularly was the, uh, considering the area in Dublin Bay South that Chris Andrews really uh, done well. Uh, obviously, this is different now, so it's a, it's a by-election. They already have one sitting um, at Sinn Féin TD, and uh, it is suspected that this is Fine Gael's, um, this is Fine Gael's seat for the taking. But if you just, I was looking at some of the, like the, the, the demographics, uh, half the adults are professionals uh, or managers, and 57% have third level qualifications. 50% live in apartments, four times the national uh, figure. 44% live in privately rented apartments. And obviously, this, obviously, Sinn Fein have said they're going to make this about housing, going to make this about rents. Sinn Fein. Um, obviously really caught many younger people, uh, they really caught the eye of many younger people to vote for them in the last election because of housing, because their born brain was just so articulate, Mary Lou MacDonald was so strong as well as Pierce Doherty and so on. This particular area in Dublin Bay South, uh, Harry McGree had an article in May 22nd in the Irish Times, he said house prices in that area are stratospheric and that younger adults who grew up in the area are actually priced out of the housing market of buying houses, and that this will undoubtedly uh, influence many voters uh, in the upcoming election, uh, as well as uh, their parents. So while this is a Fine Gael heartland, and this is uh, James Gagan's to lose, um, or to, to win. Um, Sinn Féin could surprise many people like this prizes in the last election and they could end up with two seats in Dublin Bay South. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, it's only uh, week one since they, it's only, yeah, it's only week one really since they announced the candidate. There's a long way to go, so it's be about another four or five weeks, another month till the election, I suppose. Um, so we'll see what happens that's perfect thank you so much James and we'll be talking to you soon about the Sinn Féin um, chances now we have our Fianna Fáil correspondent Emer Collins um, Emer can you tell us about Deirdre Conroy um, the Fianna Fáil candidate and what is her political background hi Emer thanks for having me on so yeah Deirdre, Con- Deirdre Conroy is currently a Dublin City Councillor for the area of Kimmage and Rathmines and she has been selected as the Fianna Fáil candidate for the Dublin Bay South election. But despite only being a councillor for since 2019, when she won the sixth and final seat in the local election, gaining a first preference vote of 6.6%, it's not to undermine her background. Her political background and activism goes far beyond that. She has nearly 20 years of campaigning under her belt. 
and she is a barrister and uh, architectural historian and she specializes in planning environmental and construction law and she's been heavily involved in the she was heavily involved in the repeal aid campaign and this kind of owed to her own personal experience of her own in 2002 when she was a 16 weeks pregnant with a child uh she was told that the child had a fatal fetal abnormality and that it wouldn't survive outside birth. So obviously this was such a traumatic experience for Deirdre and she then considered her options and she found that there was no option to terminate inside the Republic of Ireland. And when she asked for a referral of her doctor, the doctor legally could, couldn't do anything. So it led her to take a case to the European Court of Human Rights now, she did lose the case in 2006, but it still remained or, one of the earlier cases that led to the, the famous repeal 8 uh, referendum back in 2016. So she's quite a background. That's great. And what are her main policy um, platforms in this by-election? So for this election, Deirdre is running on three key policy areas, crime, housing and transport. And with regards to transport, Deirdre is a keen advocate of extending the Metrolink from St. Stephen's Green towards to the southwest, uh, towards to the southwest of Dublin, uh, to areas such as Rakgar and uh, Tabalo. She has already made a campaign promise that if she gets the seat and she is elected to the Dáil, she will strongly promote the strongly promote this, and she will look for a feasibility study looking into the matter. Uh, crime is another strong policy of hers, and in her manifesto, she claims that there is no reason why collectively we cannot address the anti-social behaviour and criminal activity that acts as blight on so many communities. And she proposes that she, if elected again, she will advocate for a greater emphasis on community policing and increase funding to community groups trying to divert young people from the paths of crime. Now, her third policy uh, pillar is a topical issue, and it's housing. And we've seen lately, definitely in Irish politics, that there's a lot of controversy with housing, with many young people can, uh, and with the affordability of housing, with many young people not being able to afford houses of their own or gain uh, or go on the property ladder. So she promises that she will be, again, if she's elected, she promises that she will be a strong voice to continue tackling the housing crisis along with her party colleagues in government. That's great. Obviously, she, her main um, campaign promise is housing. But going back to the campaign, now the Fianna Fáil campaign already has raised some eyebrows. Um, there was a few questionable um, videos, shall we say. So can you give me an overview of the campaign so far? Yeah, so it has definitely had its ups and downs for the Fianna Fáil and like she only, they only declared uh, Deirdre as the Dublin-based uh, candidate last Tuesday. So it's merely a week and a half into the campaign and it definitely has its ups and downs. Now, last Wednesday, she met with Taoiseach Micheál Martin and uh, her campaign team in Dublin Docks and they fil filmed uh, her official campaign video, which they released. And that was very, it, like, it was very uh, commendable for Fianna Fáil. They're not the strongest on the communication and they have been criticised in the past. Of course, it is a bit, not only a big election for Deirdre and Fianna Fáil and Michal Martin, it's a big test for Deputy General Canlan, who who is seen as a possible leader to take over after Michal Martin. And it's a big question, can he get Deirdre off the line in uh, in his own constituency, and it's a question of his maybe possible leadership. But yeah, as you said, it's been very busy. She's been out in the campaign tra uh, trail with fellow representatives Paul McAuliffe and James Lawless in Ringsend, Harold's Cross, Tenure. And as you said, she's Fianna Fáil and Deirdre have released several controversial videos, to say the least. Um, there's now they are they are very wacky. What the one on Sunday there was the history of Deirdre with several representatives played playing narrators and it was more looking like an ancient Ireland uh, video. And if you look on Twitter, it is gaining popularity, but it's more for the wrong reasons. People are cringing and at the same time, uh, 
but at the same time, it is hitting people and they are, uh, they are getting noticed. Mm-hmm. So finally, Emer, um, what are her chances of winning the seat? Well, it was always a test for Fianna Fáil, could they gain the seat? Now, they're not very, like, um, on, they're not very, they're, on the latest Red Sea polls, I think it puts them at 11% up in Dublin. And only yesterday, they came under controversy in the election. Um, uh, a blog post by Deirdre from 2012 or 2013 resurfaced in which she took issue with a Latvian te- tenant uh, when he only asked to put the heating on during the night. And uh, she also, uh, in another blog post, she told, she argued that the doll need more, uh, uh, less school teachers and more doers and more so elites in the doll. So that was very controversial and I don't think it was going to play well down with, uh, uh, with, uh, it's not going to play well, so it'll be a big challenge, I think. That's great. Thank you so much, Emer, for talking to us about the peanut ball candidate, um, Deirdre Conroy. And now this week, Frontier spoke to one of the canvassers on the ground, Evan Pereira, who was campaigning this week, the people for profit candidate, Bridget Purcell. Evan, thanks a million for joining me anyways. Uh, second time on the channel now, but I uh, specifically want to get you on because I've been seeing a lot of stuff surrounding Bridget Purcell running for the Dublin Bay South by-election. And, you know, she's been the most active, I believe, online as to what I've been seeing. She was first out of the gates almost with the canvassing around the area. Um, and first of all, I want to ask, obviously, you've been doing a bit of canvassing with her. Is it the sort of similar traditional door-to-door canvassing that we've known pre-COVID or is it kind of a bit mixed at this stage? Oh, uh, well... This by-election is a lot different to other by-elections and other elections in general. Obviously, we still are in a pandemic, we're still in a public health emergency. Mm. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to knock on the doors yet, but we've been able to, you know, catch a lot of people, you know, in their front gardens and all. I'd say, considering the by-election is going to most likely be in July, mm. uh, you know, eventually we will we'll be able to get on the door knocking. You know, traditionally, especially with Dublin constituencies, you'd be able to go to the dad station, so to the Lewis stops or, you know, outside the shopping centre. We can't be doing much of that now because of COVID. So it's not really a traditional election. So really a lot of it has just been social media and leafleting so far. And I think social media is definitely where Bridget is doing a lot of good work. Mm-hmm. And how has is, how is Bridget's campaign been getting on so far? Like obviously since starting, how have you been finding it all so far? Uh, well, I, I'm not a member of the party in Dublin Bay South. I'm a member here in Kildare South. Mm-hmm. And I think within the party, there's been a lot of energy about this by-election. Obviously, it's the you know the first electoral test for this government. It's the first electoral test for the party since you know we've seen growth with the joining of Rise in recent months and an increase in membership, and obviously since the last general election. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of hype around that. And I think Bridget has been a really remarkable candidate with a strong online presence, with a so far very good campaign getting on the doors across the constituency from places like Howell's Cross to Ring's End you know so she's been across the place and mm-hmm. you know she's the only candidate who's actually held you know in-person socially distant mask wearing demonstrations we've seen that with the uh, demo regarding uh, the state of water quality in Dublin Bay and uh, this Friday regarding the closure of the uh The Portobello Plaza. Yeah, yeah, the Portobello Plaza. So it's been a very active campaign. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm around it. If you look on social media, a lot of people are kind of disenfranchised, obviously, with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, who aren't seen much from Sinn Fein, who you know aren't really energised by the centre left. You mm. know, looking to people before profit and seeing a strong, active campaign. So. You know, it's it's a good campaign so far. I think, you know, as the writ for the election is officially called, as, you know, more candidates are nominated, uh, really got to be put to a test, but I think this is going to be a strong fight for the party. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, obviously, you know, this is the first electoral test for the, the newest government. Um, and, you know, I think historically by-elections have never been kind to the government uh, parties. But what is the key message that, Bridget and yourselves and the canvassing team have been spreading as you've been going along, either whether it's a leaflet drop or on the doors and whatnot? Uh, well, obviously, you know, we look at Dublin Bay South and it's looking like it'll be a fight between Councillor James Gagan and Senator Ivana Batchik and possibly, you know, 
a dark horse in Feng candidate we don't know yet. Uh, and people for off in the last election got two and a half percent in number itself. So, you know, we aren't going into this election thinking, oh, we've got a top poll. Like, and I think most parties will be looking at the by-election and thinking the same thing. So obviously we've been talking about our message as a party, you know, putting forward a socialist alternative to people outside of, you know, the cycle of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, outside the centre-left parties of Sinn Féin, Social Democrats, Labour, the Greens. You know, the main issues we've been focusing on have, of course, been housing, where what we want is affordable, secure public housing, been focusing on climate justice and environmental protection. We've seen that with the state of Dublin Bay, and uh, we had the demonstration there on the Saturday that just passed, where we're calling for, well, Bridget and all are calling for immediate action by Irish Water regarding the dumping of waste into Dublin Bay by Ringsend Water Treatment Plant, while Irish Water say, ah, sure, we'll end up by 2025, which, quite frankly, that isn't good enough. We've also been talking about workers' rights and the living wage of 15 euro because Bridget, she's been working in the service sector for nearly a decade now. She's 25 now, so she's she's a young person in the locked-out generation. Uh, she's been working as a waitress in the service sector for years now. She understands the issues of labour abuse, of management taking tips, the harassment that workers face. You know, So a lot of these issues that a lot of politicians don't understand. And she talked about, she talked about this in her leaflet, where most politicians don't understand what it's like to work in precarious work or to be or be an ordinary person. So Bridget, compared to other politicians like, you know, Councillor James Gagan, who comes from a long line of barristers and judges and politicians, or Senator Ivana Bacic, who, you know, is nearly, esta- nearly as established as it comes, or same as a lot of the other candidates. Bridget is coming into this election as an ordinary person who understands the issues of, you know, precarious work, of high rents, of a lot of these issues that a lot of people, quite frankly, in politics don't understand. So that's the message we're coming into this election of, you know, housing, workers' rights, environmental justice, and really boosting the voices of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And with regards to these as well, have these been the main constituency concerns you've been hearing on the ground at the doors? Has there been anything really particular? I know Portobello Plaza you mentioned earlier. Uh, is that been sort of one of the big issues that you've been hearing on the doors from constituents or has there been something more that maybe the media isn't reporting on? Oh, well, obviously, like I was saying before, you obviously have the issue of housing. That it, like Mary Lou talked about at the start of this by-election, this will be a referendum on housing, and I think she is absolutely right there. Housing is most likely the biggest issue in this election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've only been on a couple of the campuses so far, but other issues we've seen are issues such as bus connects and the state of public transport. And obviously, you know, we've seen a lot of issues with bus connects. I, I'm in South Clare. We haven't seen anything about bus connects. It only extends out to North Clare. But mm-hmm. issues regarding uh, bus corridors and all, and, you know, how that's going to affect communities. Uh, we have been hearing that, you know, when we go walking around the constituency, we see actually some signs saying corridors, not, sorry, communities, not corridors. So bus connects and public transport is also another big issue. And I think as well, people are generally disenfranchised with this government, you know, a lot of people, most people at the last general election voted not for Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil, but for other parties. Now, this was the lowest vote result in history last year for the two civil war parties. And seeing them get back into government with the help of the Green Party, and then seeing the lacklustre response to COVID, where this government where, you know, there's been shambles left, right and centre, where we've seen, you know, not much radical change on housing where we've just seen you know a lot of people annoyed by this government so a lot of people are feeling disenfranchised and you know want to see a change so it's just general annoyance towards government we've heard from a lot of people perfect uh, ever we're going to have to leave it there but i hope to get back get you back on the show at some stage later towards the election i really appreciate you taking the time out thanks once again to evan for sitting down with us and i'm now joined by our people for profit candidate our correspondent Dylan Kelly. So Dylan, who's People for Profit candidate Bridget Purcell? Hey, um, so the People for Profit uh, representative is Bridget Purcell. She's 25. She's a local uh, People for Profit representative for Dublin Bay South. She's quite new onto the scene and only got into politics as a result of the Debenham strike. As a worker in the service industry, she empathised with the Debenham's workers situation, which led her to joining BP. 
people for profit as she felt they are a party which seeks fairness above all else and achieves their goals through people power. That's great. So what, so she, she's obviously very new into politics. So what are her policies or ideas for, that are powering her through this campaign? There's nothing immediately discernible. There's no manifesto. I presume they might be waiting a little bit closer to the date to release that. But the only one thing like discernible initiative from her Twitter page I could find is to add five extra bank holidays in line with the EU average. In saying that though, while there aren't any specific policies other than prom- there are promises to fight on behalf of the people for more public spaces, greater redistribution of wealth, and to rally against vultures funds. She's also taken a strong public stance on the concept of public communities, such as organizing the protests for the closure of Portobello Plaza. Mm-hmm. So then what makes her stand out in this by-election? Like it's a very crowded field, but what would make her stand out amongst everyone else? Um, most likely her age and her social class. She's only 25. If she was elected, she'd already be one of the youngest DAW uh, DAW members. And as well, her background, she's worked in the service industry um, for most of her life and never really planned to get into politics. So she comes across as quite a a normal person that most people could relate to. Yeah, she she might make an impact or make a stand. So do you think, um, like, when looking at all these... um, things that make her stand out. Do you think this will make her a viable candidate in the by-election? Well, it depends. Will Ireland's wealthiest constituency identify with a self-proclaimed Marxist? Maybe. But given the multiple scandals engulfing the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael candidates, there's definitely a chance. What will perhaps be the most interesting part about the vote when it's over is what percentage of the youth turned out to vote for someone most similar to them. And if not, have people for profit a reasonable chance of improving their seat count when the most ideological, radical generation still doesn't see them as a suitable fit uh, for their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So on from this, if you if we're, if you might not be able to actually win the seat, what parties or candidates do you think you might take votes away from? I'd imagine the Social Democrats. Um, to be fair, too Bridget Purcell, she's not trying to cut through the noise, but she's certainly adding to it. I think that's probably the right thing to do with regards how Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are advertising their um, their candidates as fighting for housing, but they've been in power for that very issue. So she comes off as quite anti-establishment. So maybe she'll take from Sinn Féin, uh, Social Democrats. I'd imagine She'll be okay against Labour or um, the Green Party, given that they do have um, a past of being in the establishment. So I'd say it'll be more of a contention between Social Democrats and uh, Lynn Boyle and Sinn Féin. That's perfect. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens with um, um, Bridget Purcell, people for profit candidate. So thank you very much, Dylan, for being with us this week. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Now we have our Fianna Gael contributor, Mark Gilfoyle. To start, Mark, who is the Fianna Gael candidate, James Gagan, and what is his background in politics? Uh, okay, so James Gagan is, is currently a councillor uh, for the Pembroke electoral area. Um, James Gagan, actually, his background is kind of one um, that's kind of grand in politics. So, for example, his grandfather was the Minister for Justice uh, in the Fianna Fáil party under Eamon de Valera. He's had his other great-grandfather was a TD for Cumann Gale. His grandfather also was a Chief Justice. And then both of his parents were nominated to the Supreme Court and served under the Supreme Court. So you could kind of say that in a way he's sort of born to rule. He, he, he's definitely what some people would categorize as a member of the political elite. Um, I, I think his colleagues in the Fine Gael party uh, and also himself, he doesn't like to view himself through that lens. Uh, he he acts as if he is very passionate about politics and he is, he he quite, um, he likes to do the hard work part of it as well. Um, he's also been the councillor now for the Pembroke area. Before that, he was um, big into uh, public affairs. He helped John Bruden um, at the European level. He, he worked with... Um... John Bruton when he was Taoiseach did he also work what other parties did he work with uh, so he also found he was also a founding member of Renua um, which is quite quite funny because you could actually draw a parallel that his grandfather of the same name James Gagan actually left Cumann Gael to join Fianna Fáil um, so there's kind of parallels there jumping ship but uh, unlike unlike his grandfather uh, James has actually returned to Fianna Gael. 
So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And does this, um, this, his party movement, does this reflect some of his key policies of the campaign? Um, you could say it does and it doesn't. So uh, an example is that uh, Renua, for example, were kind of uh, very synonymous that they were anti-abortion. Now, um, members of Fine Gael have commented on James Kagan and said that he hasn't got a conservative bone in his body. Um, and he himself has come out and said that he was never against that. Now, whether he is or isn't against that is it's kind of hard to know the truth at this point, um, because obviously the referendum passed and it is not good for a, a politician to really come out, especially in, in the this electoral area of Dublin Bay South, which is um, kind of characterized by its liberalness. It's viewed as one of the most liberal seats um, in all of Ireland. So it wouldn't be good for his campaign. So it's hard to know necessarily whether this is the case or not, but um, he definitely was a founding member of Renua. And, you know, some people have tried to insinuate that that means he's a lot more conservative than he's letting on. And we know that um, housing is one of the big issues of this by-election. So is he trying to frame himself as someone who might work on that in the future if he got elected? Uh, yeah, no, he is definitely. Uh, it's one of his main priorities is housing. Um, essentially, I've, I find this that it's kind of a battle now between Fine Gael and Sinn Féin on housing. Um, James himself was a member of the Dublin City Council. And recently, um, of course, there's been multiple battles in the Dublin City Council with um, a number of sites being rejected for building homes on by Sinn Féin polit- uh, politicians, as, as well as a few left-leaning councillors. Um, this new push now is that on Dublin City Council is basically saying that the left is actually trying to block houses from getting built. Um, so I feel like his appointment there and, and that battleground is almost a kind of reflection of how the housing battle is playing out. Um, and we can expect him to continue to put forward that those arguments that Fine Gael and maybe Fianna Fáil, but mainly his own party, Fine Gael, are trying to get houses built, um, but it's being blocked. Uh, and this kind of is, is an attempt to undercut um, left-leaning parties' mantra of there needs to be more affordable homes being built. Mm-hmm. And many people have kind and um, described this seat as being Fine Gael to lose, Fine Gael Heartland. We've heard it all. But can you t- tell us what about the, how this will inform Fine Gael's electoral strategy? Yeah, so a lot of people have said it was Fine Gael's seat to lose. And of course, they did get their first two candidates through into the 2016 election. However, in the 2020, it was a green seat and a Fianna Fáil seat that were the first, uh, and a Sinn Féin seat that were the two uh, that went there. So Eamon Ryan was the first uh, TD voted in in that district. Um, so in a sense, you know, there is a certain a feeling of that in Fine Gael that they should claim this seat and uh, a feeling among the general electorate that they that it will be theirs to lose in a sense. But they do have to alter their strategy to account for that. So we see that in James's uh, election where he is basically one of his key priorities is making Dublin a 15 minute city. So he wants all the amenities to be able to be gotten to by a 15 minute walk or cycle. Now, we can see that this is clearly uh, kind of trying to tackle the green base in that constituency, the, the parties that have kind of let Eamon, the, the, the voters that have kind of voted in Eamon Ryan. That's a very big thing. Um, so obviously, Fine Gael are trying to get that niche. Uh, and then also with the homes as well. Um, obviously, Chris Andrews is another TD there. He was the Sinn Féin candidate. Uh, he was the Sinn Féin candidate there. And one of their big promises was housing. So. Again, we have this where not only it is Fine Gael's seat to lose in a sense, or a lot of people would view it that way, but they have had to alter their strategy in a sense that they have to they have to look green in this in this area because they know it won the votes the last time, and they have to look like they're active on housing. Now, whether that means delivering homes or appearing to be battling to deliver homes is another thing altogether. But it just has to be showing that look, they're going for homes. Uh, and I think that James has a proven track record. He would have been one of the councillors in the council who we would have said, look, I voted for O'Devney Gardens to be building houses on. 
I voted for other sites like sites in Inchicore and, and stuff like that. So I think they think that they've got their man there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So taking all this into account, you've you've described all the places that he might be looking for votes. And ultimately, do you think he can cross the line and take the seat? Yeah, I think I think he can. I think that this blend of strategy could work to his favour that he is so that there is kind of a, a constituency there that does vote for Fine Gael quite often. Uh, I think then blending to, to be seen to be doing something on housing will earn him points. And I think also um, his green priorities will earn him points too. The, the only thing that I would say is that with a by-election, it's quite strange. The calculus doesn't work out the same way as it would work out in a normal election. And so he could lose a seat to um, a Green candidate based on the fact that in the last election, uh, the Green TD was the first one passed in, in, in that. So in a sense, yes, I feel like he's got a good chance, but it, it is a bit of a risk and he has had to tailor a strategy for that. Thank you very much, Mark. And hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. And now we have our Social Democrats correspondent, Adam O'Donoghue. Adam, the Social Democrats have announced their candidate, Sarah Jerkin. Can you tell us about who she is and her background? Thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, Sarah Durkin. So uh, on Wednesday night, um, Dublin Bay South Social Democrats had their selection convention where they selected uh, Sarah Durkin, who is a former local election um, 2019 candidate for the Social Democrats uh, down there and also contested for the Dublin Bay South um, election, uh, general election in 2020. Uh, she didn't. She unfortunately wasn't elected in either circumstance. Um, so I was actually thinking about whether it would be her or another another um, social democratic social democrat represent, representative uh, down Dunbay South, Tara DC, who's already a councillor down there. Um, some social democrats had said it could be either or, but Sarah Durkin was the only one who was nominated for convention in the end. So she is now the candidate for the Social Democrats in the by-election. Um, she's originally from Castlebar in County Mayo, but uh, she's been living in Dublin for 20, 20 years or more. Um, she had her first degree, in, she got a, B, a BA in comms from DCU, and then a, and a master's uh, in cultural policy and arts management from UCD. Um, she's currently the associate director of the Science Gallery International, um, and she has been there since 2011. Um, and she likes to talk about how she works in science. She works in arts. You know, she's very involved in that. She was the leading organizer of Wake the Feminist campaign, um, which was uh, a movement to achieve gender equality in the Irish theatre. So um, she's been heavily involved in that. She's a huge background in theatre producing and other things like that, and also financial management. Um, she's worked for the Dublin Theatre Festival, Dublin Fringe Festival and the Corn Exchange. Um, and she's served on the boards of the Abbey Theatre and other other things like that. So she's very well-rounded in what she does. Um, she has a great background in uh, the arts and also in her in her professional career there in, in science as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So gathering her her well-rounded background, as you say, what are the core policies that she's going to be promoting throughout the campaign? Yeah, well, look, um, the Social Democrats and herself as well have said that, uh, well, she she said, and this quote has been used, but she has said that this by-election is not only a referendum on this government, but on a way of political thinking that has locked out and sold out a generation, lacking imagination, ambition, and the ideals of who we truly are as a people. So she has said, and also Keno Callaghan, uh, who's a current Social Democratic TD for uh, Dunbay North, have said that this will be a referendum on how the government is perceived by the public, you know, how they have done over the last year as, as a government, um, especially with this having been Owen Murphy's seat. Um, this will be a lot of people's perception on housing, according to the Social Democrats, and how people feel how the government has handled housing over the last few years. They think and send a powerful message, um, according to Sarah Durkin as well, uh, to the government on uh, how they have done 
you know. Um, so, yeah. Then with all this taken into account, how well is she actually likely to do in this by-election? OK, well, so Sarah, Sarah Durkin only uh, now she she got over she she got a good few votes in the 2020 general election, but unfortunately it wasn't enough to get her elected. Um, she only achieved four and a half percent of the vote share in 2020 as well, which is a problem for the Social Democrats. Now, there's been a lot happening in the last year. The Social Democrats have emerged as a very powerful movement with a lot of people joining them. And you can see it throughout social media. Um, but yeah, 4.5% might not be enough for her, especially when there's a by-election where there's only one seat up for grabs. So I think I think we might even be looking at um, how she progresses throughout the campaign. Will will her her vote share rise or fall? See if polls, what they say as well. It'll be really interesting to see that. Um, many people have said that this will be a Fine Gael, Sinn Féin um, sort of election, but... I think it's too early to say that. Um, I know that both parties will hold a large vote share, but the transfers will count in this election most of all. So I think that I think that's what we really need to focus on. And who who's voting for the Social Democrats and where will their votes go? Where will their second and third preferences go if Ms. Durkin isn't elected as well? So I think that's what we really need to focus on because the Social Democrats are still on a very uh, sharp rise in Irish politics, and they're only it's only early days for them as well. So. She could do well and she could uh, gain her vote share. Now, I don't think she might win, but I don't want to count it out so early as well. Her policies could um, rise her popularity. Mm -hmm. And talking there about transfers, where do you think her transfers um, will go? Will they go to other left-leaning parties or will they actually go to the establishment government parties? Yeah, see, this is is the tough thing because you you can't... um, predict which which way people in Dunbay South will go because Dunbay South is very much um, uh, a more uh, establishment party uh, voting group, I think. You know, Fine Gael achieved the largest vote share there last time. But but you have seen last, last year, you saw this kind of left wave where every left party was trying to move their votes, vote left, transfer left. You know, it was a, a huge movement amongst um, members of those parties saying it to people, if you're voting left, transfer left to get more left parties in. I think Mr. Erkin's votes will mostly li- most likely go to the Green Party and Sinn Féin, um, possibly people before profit, maybe with the small percentage going to more establishment parties, people who have probably gotten a bit sick of the establishment parties and have kind of moved to the Social Democrats but might still give their transfers um, to the more uh, centre, centre-right parties rather than moving further left. That's perfect, Adam. So hopefully we'll be talking to you again about the Social Democrats' Dublin Bay South by-election campaign. And now we have our Green Party correspondent, Atakan Uzan, uh, who's going to tell us about the by-election, Dunbeta by-election, and the Green Party do have their party leader in this constituency. So it'd be interesting to see what is going on in the Green Party at the moment. So um, can you tell us about the background of the candidates that might be selected and their political careers? Um, So uh, good evening to everyone listening. So um, the political backgrounds of the candidates running. So one of the candidates, um, Councillor Hazel Chu, she was first elected as a councillor for the Pembroke local electoral area in the May 2019 local elections with a first preference vote of 33%, which was one of the highest for a first time candidate for a council election ever in the history of the Irish state. So it was a huge endorsement for her policies. And also um, we have councillor Claire Bourne, who was elected for the Southeast Inner City um, first in 2014 and re-elected in the 2019 local elections with 28% of the first preference vote, so part of the green wave. So the political backgrounds of the candidates and in general their backgrounds. So Hazel Chu was first called up to the bar as a practicing barrister in 2007 and she's a lot of experience around the world in different areas and different jobs such as with Diageo Ireland and also um, other experience in countries such as China and she herself comes from a background of parents who are from Hong Kong and she is a proud anti-racist activist who campaigns for the rights of people such as ethnic minorities and women. And the background of Councillor uh, Claire Byrne, 
she worked for many years in Eamon Ryan's office. So she's experienced for at least 17 years in politics, even before she was an elected representative for the Southeast inner city. So she um, worked as an environmental education specialist and also sustainability consultant for the uh, entertainment industry. So she's a lot of experience in the areas of sustainability and environmentalism. Mm -hmm. So you've covered all the bases there. So obviously now we know that Councillor Claire Byrne was an advisor to Eamon Ryan, but then Hazel Chu in recent, so we say months, has had some conflict with um, the party to Eamon Ryan. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, the conflict between Hazel Chu and Eamon Ryan has kind of emerged in recent months, particularly Hazel Chu herself is the chair of the Green Party since 2019, but she herself was against the programme for government last year. And in the vote for programme for government that time in La in 2020, she actually encouraged members to vote against the programme for government, but instead they voted in favour. She still remained as chair of the party, but it all came to a head in March uh, 2021 when the Shannon by-elections were being announced and the Hazel Chu wanted to run for the industrial and commercial panel in the Shannon by-election because of a seat vacated. So she wanted to run for the Green Party, but due to a government pact, she was unable to secure the nomination for the Green Party and instead had to uh, opt to run as an independent. Meanwhile, a few of the senators in the Green Party were unhappy with this and they pursued a no-confidence motion in Hazel Chu. These senators include uh, Pauline O'Reilly, um, um, Junior Minister uh, Pippa Hackett, who is also a senator, and uh, Senator Roisin Garvey. This no-confidence motion failed in the end, but Hazel Chu had to run as an independent in the Shannon by-election as she secured support from Deputy Leader Catherine Martin, um, Patrick Costello, Francis Noel Duffy, and um, Senator Vincent Martin, who was the brother of Catherine Martin. So in the end, she ran in the Shannon by-election as an independent, but she only secured 10 votes or 4.9% of the vote as the government pact held strong for both um, by-elections. And in the end, in the both by-elections, Jerry Harkin for Fianna Fáil was elected and Maria Byrne was elected for Fianna Gael. Mm -hmm. So given all that background and all the kind of controversy and conflict that is going on in the Green Party, who do you think stands the best chance of being elected at the selection convention? Well, I think it's going to be a very tight race and a tight contest. And in the selection convention, which is due for Friday, the 4th of June, it will be very intriguing to see. First of all, postal voting started on the 27th of May after they had an online um, virtual hostings between both candidates. So postal voting opened there and Roger O'Gorman a week ago was selected as the Director of Elections for Dublin Bay South. So if I was to give my assessment of where both candidates stand for the selection convention, I think in my opinion, it could sway towards Councillor Claire Byrne because of the fact that a lot of members that are still in the Green Party will be more towards the Eamon Ryan wing of the party. And Cl Councillor Claire Byrne is known from being um, towards the Eamon Ryan wing of the party due to her close work for many years alongside Eamon Ryan. But on the contrary and on the opposite side, you might see um, Hazel Chu win the convention because of the fact that there's a big push for the first ever TD from an ethnic minority background to be elected. Because for many years and many centuries in Irish politics, since the foundation of the Irish Free State, there has not been a candidate or a TD elected for, from an ethnic minority background. Whilst there is a senator currently from a foreign background in the Shannon from who's actually running in this by-election, Ivana Bacic, there is not currently a TD from any ethnic minority background. And for this reason, I think it's going to be a very tight race and close to call because there's a push for Claire, Councillor Clareborn to be um, run for the Green Party in Dublin Bay South due to um, her ally, Eamon Ryan, who is also a TD for that area. But then, as I said, Hazel Chu could be chosen for the selection convention because there'll be a huge push for a candidate like herself to run on the policies of sustainability and the work that she's done as Lord Mayor of Dublin since June the 29th, 2020. Mm -hmm. And with all, with these uncertainties in the Green Party, 
do you think this will affect just briefly? How, do you think this will affect the chances of the Green Party in the by-election? Well, I think um, both candidates, even Councillor Claire Bourne herself, have played down the possibilities of there being a rivalry or division between both candidates. And in fact, even the um, director of elections, Roger Gorgorman, even played down the fact that there's going to be a division between both candidates. As he said, it was great to see two strong women and two progressive women running for the by-election for um, or for the selection convention to um contested Dublin-based South by-election. So, so far, we haven't seen much divisions from what we've seen in the public eye, but who knows, there could be internal divisions and there doesn't seem to be many party leaks at the moment about internal divisions. So we for sure do not know what is going on behind the scenes. We'll just have to wait and see. So, so hopefully we'll find out soon enough. So thank you again. And hopefully we will be talking to you before the um, election day. So now we have Patrick Sharkey, our independent um, correspondent. So, Patrick, can you tell us who are the independents running the Dublin Bay South by-election and what are their backgrounds? Yeah, well, um, there's two contenders um, so far. You know, there might be one or two extra ones, but um, we'll see. Um, first of all, you have um, Maddox Flynn, who was the highest... Votes out of any independent in 2020 general election, he finished ninth out of a, in a four C constituency, and um, he served as a on the city council since um, 2009, May 2009, and he also um, is very um, important as well. Like, and he managed to get free counselling services for different councillors all the rest. Like, talking about you know how maybe different ones are stressed due to the, you know, their constituents being stressed with the housing crisis, maybe different gangline murders within the constituency. And he is famous also for being an author and a playwright as well. And then there's Peter Dooley, who ran in the election whilst he didn't do as well as Mannix Flynn. He is certainly, you know, um, a lot's changed with the housing market in Ireland since He's came. He is one of the co-founders of the Dublin Renters Union. Um, there's a lot of additional pressures on people due to the loss of income during the 2020 general election. So people are gonna, you know, be stressed. You know, be wondering. You know, what Matt. You know, so Peter, you know, is um, takes. You know, he is looking about protecting renters' rights and um, his main priority is housing. So within Dublin, it's a massive contingent there, and especially you know with everything getting more pressure due to the pandemic, you know, it could be in a bit of a, of a better shirt this time around. Mm -hmm. And housing is, I suppose, the issue that is going to be talked about through the whole of the by-election. So these two candidates, I know there probably will be more to merge and by-elections always mean that there's going to be a whole range of independents that um, put themselves forward. So what are the chances of these two independents? Um... At the minute, you know, it's going to be very, very hard for them, both of the, either of them, to compete with, you know, the parties, let's say, um, like that there. However, the one thing that always benefits the independence in the by-elections is the fact that um, you're not going to have political parties throwing up a second candidate who probably won't get elected, but will just hoover up the votes anyways. So I think that's the one thing both candidates definitely have going for them and it's definitely there, you know, and um, both of them, and most recently, you know, both of them have been playing the whole, whole blame the mismanagement of the council, don't blame the people for different scenes, you know, in South William Street on Saturday evening. So definitely um, that kind of um, angle they're going through. So um, definitely if I'm, I could say Seder's there and um, I, ever, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think anyone would be, or they would be surprised if they could sneak into the top five. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see now what happens. It'll probably be, there may be, would you think there'll be a protest vote that might go to them um, in the election? Yeah, well, um, once, um, you know, usually when there's elections come, protests usually increase. Now, albeit, you know, protests aren't so common anymore with the pandemic and all the rest like so that's a wee bit different but um there's also um different kinds of protests 
um, you know, going on there, you know, June 16th, there's going to be a massive um, protest of um, mica blocks within the convention centre a little bit south from the Doyle, so not, not too far from the constituency. So a lot of them, you know, will be heading there, you know, so there are people in Donegal and Mayo, that kind of like housing support, you know, I feel that's something that, you know, if it's big enough, they will be at it and there will always be rent strikes, home assurance, but you know um without the protests due to the pandemic you can definitely expect maybe you know a lot more of the photo opportunities let's say a lot more working at the homeless shelter you're you know working at the you know soup and helping out at food banks and all that kind of stuff you know be been pictured at the local schools and all the rest and getting support off the local businesses so that's definitely I think you're going to see more of that and less of the protest side of things just with the current climate we're on. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you so much, Patrick. And hopefully we'll be getting back to you soon um, about the independence in the Dumb Base Out by-election. That about wraps us up for this week. Thanks once again to all our contributors. And if you'd like to stay up to date with our weekly coverage, be sure to follow the podcast on all the relevant platforms. Thanks for listening and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.